Well, this week on the Dragzine Podcast, we're uh, changing things up once again, having a little bit of fun. Got John Salemi on the show. What's going on, John? Hey, Brian. How's it going, man? Thanks for having me today. No problem, man. No problem. Thanks for coming on. You're, you're again, one of those people I had a circled on the old calendar based on we had you on the, the tech inspection show. You're a great guest there. So I uh, wanted to bring you back once again so we could talk racing and other fun stuff. Yeah, no doubt. Um, yeah, that was a cool thing we did. I don't know how long ago was that? Six months, probably. COVID has ruined my entire sense of time. It, could, it, it feels like it was 10 years ago at this point. Yeah, it was some time ago, but it went well. So, yeah, this would be cool. We can uh, highlight on, you know, some of the things that, you know, myself and our team and, you know, our businesses and all that kind of stuff all wrapped up within what we do on small tires and big tires and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, because that, that's that's what's kind of cool is you, you do literally a little bit of everything which I think is very important. You know, we had Jamie Miller on the show as a tuner and he had a lot of chassis experience. See a lot of tuners, they do a lot of uh, fun stuff. And, you know, tuning race cars is a, it's not a task for the faint of heart. How did you end up doing this for a full-time gig? Same thing I asked Jamie. I I always find that interesting. You know, it's not like, it's not something that's on your, uh, your high school guidance counselors checklist of things to do in life. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. So many people is like, how do you get into that? Or how do you learn this? Is there a book you read? <laughs> no. Yeah, right. If you could ever um, take all of the ideas and the thoughts and the planning into that and somehow, you know, verbalize it or write it down and publish it, man, I think you could uh, do pretty well. at. But that's like impossible to do. But how did I get into tuning? Well, so my brother, Jim Salemi, who owns G-Force race cars and um, Mike Stewicki, who owns MSR Performance Engines, they raced in the late 80s. They started um, racing Pro Mod together. They had campaigned their own cars and quick bracket racing, you know, in our Western New York area. And, you know, they would travel regionally on their own. And actually, Mike did some pretty extensive NHRA competition eliminator um traveling in the in the 80s and stuff like that as well as Jim Jim didn't travel as much as Mike did but um they both ran really well in comp eliminator and then as that kind of like got a little bit out of hand with where comp was going and so on and so forth they they looked into top sportsmen and they originally ran it with um you know actually my when when my brother Jim started racing top sportsmen it was door cars, altered dragsters. It was all one together. And Jim had a blown small block altered on, um, it was actually on gasoline blown on gas. And Mike always had a kind of dragsters. And then he went to some kind of door car stuff. So they actually combined their efforts because neither of them had enough money to do this. What was becoming pro mod at that time, they combined their efforts were, Mike did the engines, my brother, Jim, you know, built a car and, you know, they put all their money together and sold whatever they had to like make the sacrifice to go run this new top sportsman quick eight stuff, which was evolving quickly into pro mod fast door car racing. So, um, I was in my 15, 16 area, I guess you could say when that was going on. And then, um, as I graduated, became more a part of their situation, what they had going on with race cars. So I guess, I guess they're to blame for where I am today. Um, or they gave me the vehicle to, to ride, to be able to do, you know, what I've evolved into today. 
taking care, taking advantage of those impressionable youths. Yes, no doubt. Um, getting up early in the morning and going to work on race cars and, you know, staying up late and riding in the truck and man, I could, I, I can still vividly paint the picture of like going to driving from Buffalo to Norwalk, uh, for the world nationals and like being so pumped. Like I couldn't even go to sleep. We'd like leave it like three or four o'clock in the morning. So we were there by eight o'clock in the morning and like watching the sunrise and I was going to get to be able to smell nitro today. You know what I mean? It's like I, vividly. I I can, I can tell you songs that were playing as we were driving through downtown Cleveland and like just memorable stuff, like very impressionable, memorable stuff. So. And I think that's part of like the, when you get into the sport of drag racing, it's stuff like that that really sticks with you. Cause I remember as a kid ride with my dad to the track, you know, just the route in my mind, I had been to Quaker city and I don't know how many years, but you know what? I remembered how to get there when I had to drive there on my own, when I had my own car, or, you know, when I went there with some friends, because you just, you do it so much. It like, it really gets ingrained in you. Yeah. It's, um, it's the best sickness you could ever have best addiction you could ever have. You know what I mean? And, um, that, that fuel and that passion to do it. And in the, I guess at the end of the day, what it totally is, is it's an emotional attachment to something that you develop a massive passion for. And without that passion, you could never do this because it's not right. No. <laughs> so in so many levels, it's not right. <laughs> You know, th there's defining moments in all of our lives that you can look back on and tell that this was the moment that put you on the path you're on. Was there one of those for you at some point that you can think of where it was like, all right, I'm all in. This is it. I don't want to do anything else. Well, I had. I'm kind of, I, I'm I'm I guess I'm really fortunate in a couple of ways because I kept turning my hobbies into my career. So like I was going to the racetrack with Jim since I was, I don't know, four or five years old, probably. And was always a part on whatever level I could be with his race car as I was growing up. As I got a little bit older, I got into like skateboarding and like punk rock music. And like my other brother, Joe, was a drummer and there was always a set of drums in my house. So I picked up playing drums and like then I picked up playing guitar and then for about 15 years I was in a band and we made a bunch of records and I toured all over the world. And that kind of took me away from drag racing a little bit, but like when I would get home from being on tour or recording a record or whatever, whatever day I got home the next day, I was at the shop and I was working on race car stuff or um, doing whatever needed to be done. Actually, Jim had me working in the office and, trying to run the business and stuff like that. And um, that's kind of, that derailed me a little bit from like my overall racing experience, but that was a great experience too. And, you know, I have as many fond, fond memories from doing that and dear friends as I, and as I, as I have from, from the whole drag racing thing. And I tell everybody that asked me about it, you can't imagine the parallels of being in a, freaking rock and roll band that tours and makes records as to being on a high level race car team. It, it's the same grind. It's the same passion. It's the same out of control instances. It's, it, it's, it, it's all the same stuff, you know, like 
your record label is your sponsorship, your tools are your instruments. Like it, it, you're performing on the stage, you're performing at the track. There's it's a, at the end of the day, it's an entertainment business on both sides of it. And I think when I was done doing my rock and roll stuff, it really set the stage for where I wanted to go with all this race car stuff. And it taught me how to get there and it taught me teamwork and it taught me um, just basic work drive, work ethic, you know? So it it was a great thing. Um, I got no shame for doing it. And, you know, still to this day, um, we, we play once in a while. So let me get this straight. Played in a rock and roll band into fast cars. You are literally the son-in-law that every father-in-law would dread their daughter dating at a certain time. (laughs) That's a funny, funny scenario also, because I have a great relationship with my father-in-law and he's a super cool guy. And like, He's totally in the fast cars and rock and roll music. Yeah, like there's there's a very limited lane, John, that you could fit in with that. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it's it's funny because um, that that is the status quo. But my rock and roll experience was a lot different than than most, as far as like you know, hypothetical classic rock and roll. We we weren't really a rock and roll band. We were a punk rock band that had a bunch of ethics and morals that still I like value today and um, still live by today. And when somebody from my music world actually comes to the racetrack and they don't know that I have any involvement in racing and they're like, Hey, dude, that's a dude from Snapcase. We're like, and what's he doing working on race cars? Like that to me is like the most ultimate like satisfaction in life. And it's happened like, I don't know, maybe five times over the last 10 to 15 years at the racetrack or 10 years of our serious racing at the racetrack. But yeah, that's like complete and utter satisfaction for me. So, so, so you guys weren't the band that was, you know, trashing rooms, throwing stuff in the pool and, you know, you know, your Pantera level general anarchy. No, like our music was super aggressive and we were super loud and fast and screaming and, you know, kind of like a blown pro mod, but, um, no, we had uh, we had a lot different look on the typical rock and roll band. And if anybody wants to search that or talk to me more about it, they can. But today we're going to talk about drag racing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's a, that's another story for another. We could we could we could do another podcast about cross uh, cross careers off of drag racing at some. <laughs> Um, you know, and kind of going off of that, what's it been like working with your your brother and kind of creating this th- these two two thriving racing businesses? Um, it's been, I mean, it's amazing. It's awesome. Um, you know, the, like he's my oldest brother. There's three others in between us. Um, my father owned, uh, Italian import food stores and and pizzerias as we were growing up. So there was not much time that I got to spend with my dad and Jim filled that void for me as a young kid. You know, he would not only take me to the races, but we would go here, there and everywhere. And everybody always thought he was my dad. And like, it really, it would aggravate the hell out of me when like, Oh, how'd your dad's car run? It's not, it's not my dad. My dad's like this old guy who flips pizzas, like my brother. <laughs> so um, to get things where we are today, um, it's awesome. Like I couldn't ask for anything better. And now 
you know, my son's kind of nurturing the same path. And it's like, it's like almost like um, I get to watch Jim uh, teaching Evan all the things that he taught me. And those two go at it at each other. Like Jim and I used to go at it and Evan's as passionate about it as we are. And, and, you know, my daughter's not too much into the drag racing thing, but she's passionate, super passionate about what she's doing on a different level. So it's kind of cool to see both kids going their own ways, but like, yeah, back to the, I mean, my family's always been super tight. So to be able to do this on this level and have the success that we've had and each person, person knowing their role and understanding their role on the team, it's just been, it's been unreal. So yeah, like this last two, three months have been really, really busy. And I just keep telling myself, just be careful what you wish for. It's here. It's like, now you got to weather it. Now you got to figure out how to work it out and be as successful as you've been to get to this point. And then talk about the next level. We just, Andy Tanner and I just ate lunch and we just talked about the next level. Like, where do you go with your business? How do you get to the next level? How do you nurture that and not screw it up? Or what are the risks emotionally? What are the risks financially? That's like, where do you go? How do you do it? You know, and those are the conversations to me that are most uh, interesting and most enthralling to me at this point in time, other than like, what are we going to do to the tune-up to get this car down the racetrack or make it better? Stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, like my involvement with my brother, I got to include, I got to include Stewicki in that too, because he's not blood family, but like, he's like family. And it was his choice to get out of the seat and put Melanie in the car in 2015 and take the chance that she was going to be the driver that she's become to quote unquote, build all three of our businesses. And like, I just, you can't paint a more perfect picture than what's actually happened with it all. We're all covered up with work. We all got too much stuff to do. And, you know, um, day by day and night by night, it's just like everybody put a plan together and slowly but surely it's, it, it's coming to full uh, fruition, you know? See, it's interesting. I, I like hearing people's backstories, how they got into things. I, I tend to try to do a little bit of extra research on my guests as well. And I didn't realize you work for DMPE. And I'm sure, you know, they build blowers, you know, for pretty much all the Nitro teams, if I'm not mistaken. I do a lot of stuff for Coletta. What was that like for you to learn from someone like that to what you do now? So I, I, met, I met Darren at the racetrack probably 98 99 when we were running um i jerry pro mod when my, and mike was driving the car at that point in time and like i i just hit it off with darren for some reason some way somehow and um i was still that was like full-fledged into the band still like i wouldn't be at all the races because we'd be gone on tour or i'd be in the studio or we'd be rehearsing or something like that but I, I always had a, a good relationship with Darren and Darren kind of like brought our technological side at that point in time in that early 2000, late 90, late nineties, he brought our tech side of uh, our pro mod team to like the next level and really helped us 
put things together on the tune-up side of things that like really brought our stuff to the next level. So um, kind of like how I got to work there is when in 05, like the band was done. Actually, the band really started to taper off in like 03 when my son was born. And like, I started to go to work full time with, with my brother and we were like, just like smashing heads and arguing. And one day I was like, I feel I'm not working here anymore. <laughs> and I was like, I'm gonna go start my own parts business. And then I, a couple of days later, I was talking to Darren and he's like, why don't you just come work for me? And I'm like, well, I'm not moving to Michigan. It's not like, it's not happening. He's like, you don't have to. He's like, I, I got to, he had just started DMP. He had just left Cabelco and started DMPE. So it was like brand new. He's like, you can, you know, build a website and you can do all this shit. I'm like, I've never built a website before. He's like, well, you're going to learn how. So, you know, I kind of learned how to do that. And then that led to me being like the lead sales guy there for a long time. And that led to me kind of like he, Darren actually was the first person that sent me out to tune a customer's car. And yeah, I'd been racing with my brother and Mike for a long time. And we all kind of talked about tune up stuff together, but like really Jim and Mike were tuning the car. Like my ace in the hole was that I knew how to work the computer. So I would download the, the, well, it wasn't race pack back then, but competition data systems we had for a little bit. And then we worked into a race pack and that's those, that, that, moment of me being able to run the computer and, and do that kind of stuff was actually my, I guess that was my first footprint or concrete step in being the tuner. And then, you know, Darren knew what kind of knowledge I had from that, from us hanging out at the racetrack. And he's like, I can't go to do this top dragster tune up stuff in Florida. He's like, I'm sending you. And I'm like, Oh, what do you mean you're sending me? So yeah, in 2000, February, February, January 2005, like I flew to Bradenton and I tuned this guy's top dragster and actually ended up doing okay. And from there, I went into um, developing not only like the sales side of things with the MPE, but some tech stuff. And like Darren taught me a ton about fuel systems. And I used to run away every time I'd go out there. I'd go to Michigan and I'd spend a week out there and I'd run his flow bench and ended up building, you know, building my own flow bench back at home with Jim and Mike. And, um, you know, all of that kind of started building this whole situational deal where it was all leading to like all things racing. Right. Um, I was going to the racetrack. I mean, one year, I think in 2000, seven or 2008 I went I did like 27 trips weekends like going to tune cars under the DMPE banner and um things were really cranking there you know we were doing blower mods and fuel systems and that's right when Darren had first released his own alcohol uh superchargers and we dyno tested between um, our dyno engine dyno at Stewickies and then Darren built his inertia dyno. We were dyno testing stuff back and forth and 
you know, um, it was just, I get all the, all these little things were the first like real footsteps in planting your, my, you know, my, my base and building everything to where it is now these days. Um, got to the point where I think it was 2010, I went on on my own and, um, our, mine and Darren's relationship got pretty rough <laughs> five years or so. It, it, uh, you know, I was mad that he got mad at me for leaving and he was, I'm sure, you know, not so happy that he had taught me all the things that he did. And then I went out on my own and I don't know, a couple three years ago, we, we got everything back together and we do, you know, we cross businesses, you know, I do stuff for him. He does stuff for me. And, um, it's, it's back to like a, I guess it took both of us to grow up a little bit more to realize like, you know, stop working against each other and work together. And, you know, it, it's a good thing for both, um, business and friendship and all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of the whole DMPE footprint part of it, which then led to resolution and just building and grinding resolution 24 seven, as much as you could. Um, I've, you know, at, at that same point in time that I started my own business is when I met Melanie and like, I'd never done any bracket racing before in my life. I had just strictly ran heads up door car stuff with Jim and Mike. And I met Melanie and her father had just converted her car over to a, a blown big, a, a blown big block. And, you know, they, Carl Spearing um, was helping them and built the motor. And I just kind of took over and started applying what I knew supercharger wise but now started applying it in this way that I had never done before to go bracket racing. And everybody's like, you're never going to win with a blower motor. You're never going to win. Well, we got the next, the following year, I think um, I found Melanie a car and her and her dad went and got it. And it was a way better car than what they had. And I think we won five races that year or something like that. And I was doing fuel systems for all these top dragster blown top dragster cars and helping people, you know, learn how to tune them. And so that's like, there's all these little things that have built up to where things are, are at now. And it's funny, you never stop learning um, or you forget stuff and you got to relearn it because it comes up and smacks you in the face and be, results in a round loss or you're like, how oh, can I be so dumb to do that again? Remember when we did this before? <laughs> Just stuff like that, you know, so. Well, speaking of learning, Got to hit up our uh, one of our sponsors here, Procharger. You know, for 25 years, Procharger has been the industry's leading aftermarket supercharger manufacturer by designing, engineering, and building the most powerful, reliable, and advanced centrifugal superchargers on the market. No matter if you're looking for 3,500 horsepower for a record-setting pro mod or a DIY system for your street, car, truck, or motorcycle, Procharger has a perfect system for you. For more information on all the amazing ways you can bolt 40, 50, 60, or even 100% more horsepower to your ride, visit ProCharger.com for more details. Now, that's a different kind of blower than what you typically mess with on Melanie's car. You know, and, and you play with a lot of different blowers, a lot of different setups and whatnot. What's it like trying to juggle all of these different things that you have to tune? 
Yeah, you really got to keep your mindset. Um, you got to spend time getting the characteristics of that particular combination in your head and sorted before you go and start that weekend or that um, like last or two weeks ago, like I was tuning Fletcher's car in pro 275 that had a roots blower on it. And I'm tuning Melanie's car that had, you know, the screw blower on it in RVW. They react different. So you got to keep your mindset. Okay. I'm up on this car right now. Okay. We just got to forget what we did on that one. We got to put the blinders on and just think about this one. It's hard. Um, it's a challenge. And a lot of the times it um, can result in not so positive results. Um, it's not something that I prefer to do by any means, but at the end of the day, uh, you got to service your customers the best you can. And, you know, at, at the end of the day, you got to go have fun at the racetrack. If you're not having fun, the effort and the expense is out of control to not realize the real reason why you're there and is to enjoy yourself and, you know, you know, and have, have fun and, 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 you know, have a successful weekend. Even if you're not winning the event, you're enjoying your time with the people that are around you, but it's super hard to go back and forth between different combinations. Um, and it's, it makes it even harder when one of them is not as worked out as it needs to be, or like you change, like we went, we went into a, into lights out with Melanie's car with a brand new engine package and it needed a lot of attention. And I was giving it as much attention as I possibly could at the end of the day, I probably didn't give it as much attention as it needed. I was trying to do the same thing with Fletcher's car. And when the water rolled in on Saturday night through Sunday, it got me. I forgot how much you need to change the roots blown setup to deal with the water comparatively to the screw bone setup. So like those are two little examples that, um, that played havoc on my head and what I needed to do to be as successful as I possibly could be with each of those cars. And at the end of the day, you got to say, all right, well, you know, miss those couple points. Like those are fresh in your head. Now remember all the other things that you did properly and focus on them and keep these new things in your head too. So um, it's a challenge. It's an extreme challenge. And Anytime that you have certain expectations of what you want to do uh, with a tune-up and being successful with it within that particular time frame of that race, it's complete mental focus. And the funniest thing ever is when somebody's like, what are you tired for? Like, you didn't even work on the car. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you have no idea. Like you have no idea how many variables that you have to keep straight. And it's, it's a mental thing and it's an analytical um, 
it's just an analytical focus on all the data that you're hit with and you're constantly assessing weather, you're constantly assessing track conditions. Um, you know, do I move weight in the car? Do I change the suspension? Do I change the way that the fuel system's hitting the engine? Do I change torque converter gear ratios? You know what I mean? It's just like you have your go-to things, but there's so many go-tos that it becomes a massive game of shuffling variables and paying attention to the result when you've shuffled the variables. And then you can sometimes, you know, you got to throw another variable in there is that you're tuning your wife's race car, which probably adds then another wild dynamic to it because you have personal, professional, everything coming together at once. How do you, how do you deal with that at times? Honestly, that's probably the, the thing that we have best sorted out um, between Melanie, myself, Jim, and Mike, and now um, Eddie Whalen, who is a huge, a huge, huge part of our team um, for the last couple of years. We have a great understanding that, yes, it's my wife in the car, but she's a part of the team and she's doing her job and she's not like, I personally, I personally, yes, of course I think of it like my wife in the car, but like, I don't treat that race car any differently than I treat any of the other ones because I don't want to be with any teams that aren't, first of all, I don't want to be with any teams that aren't prepared the way they need to be prepared, be prepared, whether it be parts, safety, you know, um, proper crew members, any of that stuff. Like, so therefore, like, you don't get any, there, there's not a, there's not a different feeling when, oh, oh, it's smelling. It's like, that's my wife in there. It's like, it was for like the first six months that we raced. And now it's just like, yeah, that that's, that's my driver in there. And, She's super badass, and like you better be on your game. Um, and no differently than I would think of like this car behind me when it gets to that point. Like, yeah, that's that's Preston in there. He's he's seasoned enough now to go out there and be a badass. Like he's he's going to do well in that car, or when Sean's in Fletcher's car, or when Steve King's in Gene Pilot's car. Like, I'm fortunate to work with a bunch of great people. And the role that you play on the team for your specific part on the team is like, is what I pound into everybody's head, know your role and do it well. And if somebody else is slacking in their role, help them out or talk to them to bring them up in their role. And that goes for me too, right? Like, we, we talk about it all the time. Well, what's Mike's role or what's Eddie's role or what's Evan's role or what's Melanie's role or what's Jim's role or Katie's role? Like everybody has a role. And if, I mean, ultimately I think the success that we've had over the last, let's call it five years for lack of a better time frame, is because everybody knows their role and they do it as well as they possibly can. And without that team, 
you're done. You're done. You know, so, I was just say that there's a lot that goes into building a team and you guys have built a pretty successful team. You know, let's talk about your team and what you guys do and kind of how that's worked out. We, you know, you mentioned that earlier, we were doing our pre-call thing that people don't realize that to have a successful pro mod team, you just can't grab three of your drinking buddies, toss them in the stacker and go race. Cause bad things are going to happen. Yeah. Um, and that's the first and foremost thing is the safety of the driver in the car and the safety of others at the racetrack. And of, of course your fellow competitor that's in the other lane when you're uh, ripping down the racetrack at wherever 200 plus miles an hour. Um, so our role, our, sorry, our team is based upon, um, uh, it's based, it, it's based in, out of G force race cars, which is Jim shop. And the whole back section of the shop now is dedicated to both the side piece and purple rain. So um, two cars sit back there side by side, Jim and Evan completely maintenance the cars in between races. Um, Mike Stowicki maintenances all of the engines. Jim and Evan will get the engine out. Um, Evan usually drives it out to Mike's shop. Mike goes through it, does what he needs to do to it. It comes back, gets put in the car. Jim and Evan maintenance, all the drivetrain, everything that needs to be done. Any fabrication work that needs to be done is done um, at G-Force in the shop um, by the guys that work there, um, which they're all as dedicated and love the sport as much as we do. Uh, one of them is one of my other brothers also. Um, one, one guy, Jim's main guy there, uh, Smitty, he's been in the shop for – I got to say it's probably approaching 30 years or so now. And um, Jim's newest employee is like a diehard stock car racer that grew up a drag racer. So he's super, super into everything that we do too. And then Melanie runs the office at, at the shop and does a lot of my bookkeeping and year ends and month ends and all that kind of stuff too. So, so the shop basically takes care of the cars and the rig and everything else it needs to do. Melanie takes care of all the stuff in the motorhome, the food, the laundry, the bedding, the drinks, the keeping everything clean, the, all that kind of stuff. And organizing of, you know, him or him, she will organize with Jim when we're leaving and how long the trip is. And, you know, Jim and I will do what route we're taking. And I mean, it goes on and on forever. Um, Eddie Whalen joined our team. Oh, probably started coming to the races with us in 17, 16, 17. And it's just been a awesome addition to our help. He's um, not only helps us at the racetrack. Um, and if he lived closer, he's in Long Island. So we're in Buffalo. So we couldn't be farther apart in New York than we are, but um, he's at one end of the state and we're at the other, but his, um, involvement in our team has completely brought our team to the next level. Um, he's afforded us to have the equipment that we needed to have to be, to be able to run our stuff as hard as we can. And he plots and schemes where we're going to go race, how we're going to go race it. Um, if we're racing radials and why, if we're running big tires or why, or why we need to focus on this. Eddie's vision of 
not being so super involved with the day-to-day stuff is awesome for us because he'll bring in a completely different aspect and light on why are we doing this? We need to be doing this right now. And we'll be like, Duh. that was a no brainer. So like he's brought a completely different aspect into our team and keeping things focused and, and making plans of where and how we're going to go race and um, just been an awesome addition. And his wife comes and hangs and everybody gets along and we joke around and we poke fun at each other. And I don't know, last weekend it lights out. I fell off the ladder, putting the awning up and <laughs> got really upset. And like, that's all Eddie could do is like pick on me about it all weekend. And it, it just came to the point where it was like so funny that like, you know, like, ah, like and he's imitating me falling off the ladder and everything. And it's just like ridiculous, but it's fun. Like we have a great time. And at the end of the day, if you're not having fun, like I said before, what the hell are you doing it for? Right. So that's our, our key players and, and Melanie's friend, Katie Knight, that lives in Charlotte. Um, she's a, an awesome help for Melanie. She looks after her gear. She looks after all the radios. Um, she'll help Melanie prepare dinner and food and get all that kind of stuff ready. And um, as well as Eddie's wife, you know, she'll cook down some food or, you know, help Melanie prepare, keep us fed and keep us fueled up. And uh, I mean, everybody does their thing. So it, it works out great. You know, you mentioned both cars and what was it like essentially learning to, to play on radios? Cause you guys had success on big tires, but then having a radio versus the world car, that, that, that had to be a little bit of a uh, interesting experience getting used to that. Yeah, well, my introduction to radios was actually through Eddie, and um, that's how Eddie and I became friends and started doing business together. Uh, he owned the GTO that Nova Joe drove. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We won, uh, I think in 2016 or 17, we won Yellow Bullet, runnered up at No Mercy, and then won Lights Out. Yeah, so that was 16 and 17, and then won Lights Out in 17. So... I had that radio experience. And then right as that was going on, Jim had finished building Paulo Juice, uh, the Black Betty car. Yeah. And we started running that car. And um, we ran that car along with Jeff Pierce, who is like one of my most dear friends. And Jeff and I do everything together as far as race car stuff goes. And uh, he's a, also... I should have mentioned him as being a big part of our team, which he is, um, technically speaking. Jeff and I do tons of gearing and converter stuff together, and he is super good with chassis stuff and setup and balance, and which it's, it's, it's been an awesome relationship because he's taught us a lot about a bunch of stuff, and we've taught him a lot about all the supercharged racing and um, dyno sessions and Jeff and I did the whole EFI and Jim did the whole EFI supercharged thing back in 2016 with fuel tech. We did Jeff and I and Jim, we spearheaded that whole movement. And, um, so that kind of all rolled in to the RVW thing. And when we come out with our, our, our own RVW car, um, we were supposed to go run that car in big tires. And I told Eddie, I was like, we need to go run that car in little tires. He's like, well, what do you mean? I said, 
we got World Street Nationals coming in. This is November of 2019. We got World Street Nationals coming up. I said, that's the perfect preparation for us to go and do well at Lights Out. He's like, you know what? Maybe we should do that. So we put that thing on big or on little tires and, you know, ended up beating Stevie in the final at that race. And the first race the car went out and went in the fifties. And, you know, it's kind of been, it's kind of been the, you know, storybook thing after that it's ran super well and set records a couple of times and won you know, a handful of races. And, um, it's been a great experience. It's been, a great experience on a marketing level for all of our businesses and Melanie's driving popularity. It's done just crazy. It's crazy to me how many people pay attention to little tire racing in it. I shame myself for not being more of a part of it before I was, but um, we're here to, we're, you know, we're here to stay on, on big tires and little tires and, each market is, 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 is as important as the next. And it's kind of cool that they have their time frame throughout the season. And one thing we've done a little bit is we focused like our 2020 season focused a lot on, on racing the little tire stuff and the RVW car. And I really think it hurt our big tire program because of you only have so much time to focus on so many things. And right. So we got pulled away from the big tire stuff. And then when COVID hit, we just were like, all right, we're going to kind of use the, this 2020 season as an R and D year for our big tire program. And, you know, took the lockup out and put a three speed non lockup in and learned that whole program. And that benefited a lot to customers that were both going quarter mile racing with no lockups and eighth mile racing with no lockups. And, um, it just, it was a good thing for business. We still got round wins and one event, one event went on big tires last year. So we still, even in like, kind of like a, let's like do kind of whatever and see, go take the 75 pounds out, take the lockup out and see how this thing runs, work on the supercharger. It just forced us to do different things. And I think it's going to help our big tire program this year. And, um, you know, we already ran Florida with a screw blower, getting some data there. Um, had some unfortunate things happen there that we got behind a little bit on, but um, and didn't do as well as I felt we should have done. But um, we're gonna we're gonna rebound off of that here and go testing before Galat, and um, we're gonna find out which combination works the best, and uh, we're gonna run the PDRA and you know the offshoot like yellow bullet and shakedown races and maybe a Northeast pro mod race or two, and maybe one Midwest race. If we can, I don't really know if we can pull all that stuff off, but we're going to make our best focused effort that we have in a couple of years on PDRA and, and really try to hit that hard this year. Right on. Before we start wrapping things up here, I got to thank our other uh, sponsor of this episode and that's performance distributors, the company that allows you to feel the difference, not just ignite a spark. What does that mean exactly? Well, their ignition systems are designed and manufactured under the most stringent of guidelines. In fact, the owner, Steve Davis, told us their systems are designed as if they're running them in their own cars. Well, because they are. 
One of their products you may already know of is their line of DUI distributors, the first and one of the best HEI distributors on the market. Their machine calibrated timing curves provide instant throttle response and eliminate engine damaging detonation. For those of you with late model vehicles, their Sultans of Spark ignition coils are based on the DUI technology so they too can accommodate wider spark club spark plug gaps while firing more voltage so check out performancedistributors.com gotta hit those sponsors because that's big part of racing and i'm sure that that's something that you guys constantly have to be aware of is thanking the people you need to thank and stay on top of things just in general as you know what you got to do right yeah absolutely yeah and that uh <laughs> usually that's melanie's game but i can you know i um a lot a, a, I was telling Andy today, we were talking about um, how my business has basically been a relationship with vendors to support our vendors on our race car, right? So uh, Liberty Gears, Quick Drive um, are the first two that come to mind, Ross Pistons. Like we'll, we'll develop stuff on the racetrack with those companies and prove the product and flog the product and just put it out in the field. And then we can also rep that product, right? So not only do we sell it, we can install it, you know, instruct people how to work on it. Um, so the race car is a big tool as far as supporting all of our vendors, um, you know, from VP to NGK um, development, with Noonan on new heads and manifolds and all the stuff that we were dyno testing when they brought it out and, um, you know, flat out gaskets, same thing. Just, yeah. Could you do this a little bit different or can you do that a little bit different so we could make this not have this problem, just developing the product to the next level. Um, quick drive, same thing. Liberty, same thing. Uh, Neil chance, uh, converters, uh, victory valves, uh, Ross pistons, R and R rods. Uh, just trying to go through and make sure I don't forget anybody. I'm sure I'm going to get somebody and get slapped, but, um, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you a little secret about that. I've had people come on and say, they'll be like, they'll front up and say, I don't want to forget anybody. So make sure you check out the website. I'm like, that's smart <laughs> thinking right there to throw, you know, throw it like that to hit the website. I'm like, yeah, that's they, they strange engineering. How can I forget strange engineering? It's on the freaking door. <laughs> um same thing with them like developing like some new gear sets and um you know here and there different suspension packages and little uh just for instance like um we got titanium steering shafts in the cars and they didn't have a titanium steering knuckle that the the quick release steering wheel deal went on so then they ended up making steering uh or quick release steering hubs in titanium so they could be welded right to the shafts where before they would get bolted and after however many runs down the racetrack they were wearing out and the steering wheel sloppy and stuff like that so there's there's so many little things that get developed like that i you know i've done stuff with mark mensa on the radial side of shocks um done stuff with chris bell on my big tire side of shocks um in kinetic engineering with him and um you know PST drive shafts uh, is another thing that we're trying to get to the next level with the radial U-joint drive shaft problem. It's just like, it's a constant evolution of all the products on the car that we use. And, um, 
if I'm forgetting anybody, just bring up a picture of Melanie's car and all those stickers are on it. And then, which I should probably do myself. So I don't make sure or make sure that I uh, get everybody that I need to say here. Cause that's a, a super important part to me. Um, NGK, if I didn't say it, uh, LAT racing oils, Danny Vaca out in California, same thing with him developing different oils and do different transmission stuff. And this works for that. And that works for this. And, don't put too much lubricity in it because I can't get my rings to seal on the freaking cylinder walls. And like, it goes on and <laughs> it goes on and on and on. Right. Um, just trying to, trying to get things to the next level so you can, you can race what you sell, sell what you race and be able to install it in uh cleavite engine bearing, same thing. Um, and I think, I, I think I, did a pretty good job. I got most everybody, I think. Um, of course, I mean, um, Ali Installations, Eddie's company, um, on the door of the radial car. Um, Eddie's like, ah, oh, this does nothing for me in my, in my business, but I love to go racing and that's why we're doing it. And, you know, as that, that car gets the title sponsorship of, of Eddie's company as, as you know, he owns that car and funds us to race that car as well as is a huge part of uh, the purple rain pro mod effort also. So um, yeah, as well as, you know, Melanie's father and his company RS performance up in Canada, they afforded Melanie to be able to get the experience to become the driver that she is. And um, just, I mean, it's awesome to me that she's come on this development of it's funny. Andy and I were talking earlier about, you know, how he's nurtured his kids from juniors to bracket dragsters to fast top dragsters. And now to this car that's sitting behind me and how important it is to have the feel. And he's also sent the kids to Frank Holly school to get all this experience as long as they love it, as long as they have the passion for it, um, to be able to build that experience and build that development from the junior dragster to, you know, the 350 or 360 second car that's sitting behind me that once it gets to that point, will be like, yeah, I can handle this. I'm in control of this. I, I know, I know when it's out of control to stop. I know, you know what I mean? With, and it's not saying that you can't, get in one of these things if you have the natural talent to do it and get used to the acceleration but the nothing pays like with what melanie's parents did with her and what andy's done with his kids to nurture them through the drag racing sport to that level of professional class racing and it's super important and a lot of people have the financial means to just step right into this thing behind me but that never teaches you the experience of, yeah, if I don't stage my junior dragster every time the same way, I'm not going to get the same light. And that goes in just as important in this car and, and you know, pro boost, NHRA pro mod, top fuel. I don't give, I don't give what you're in. It's all those fundamentals from the smallest, slowest, whatever you can do, if you're good at it, you can nurture yourself all the way up to the highest level and have fun in this, in the sport that we 
for some reason I love so much. <laughs> Couldn't have said it any better myself there, John. And then usually at this point in the show, I, you know, do my spiel, let you thank your sponsors and everything, but you already read down the car on all the sponsors. So, <laughs> you know, I'll let you also throw out there, throw the floor to you, you know, where can people learn more about your businesses, about Melanie's racing and everything else? Um, all the social media sites, um, you know, resolution racing services, my company on Facebook and resolution racing.com. Uh, same for G force race cars. Um, Melanie has a racing page on Facebook um, where she just posts all about her, you know, racing career and all the updates and schedules and all that kind of stuff. And then she's on Instagram as well. Um, I think she even still has a website, but I don't know how active people keep up on websites these days, but same for um, um, MSR performance, Mike's company um, on Facebook um, as MSR performance engines and on the web also and um yeah i mean i kind of i kind of like take the role of being the face for all three companies um a lot of people come to me for those services that are within i tell everybody it's three it's three separate companies kind of acting as one and since i am melanie's husband i get the recognition of that and people come to talk to me about tech stuff, but you know, I know the combinations on the chassis. I know the combinations on the engine and um, can sell that stuff and talk about that stuff and rep that stuff no differently than I can all the stuff that I do with all the parts and fuel system flowing and um, you know, tuning and consulting at the racetrack. So it's all, it's all wrapped up into one. And um, fortunately we, got everybody on the same page 99% of the time. And if not, we, we hash it out and sometimes bash it out and uh, get everybody on the same page. Well, John, thank you so much for coming on the show. And I've got to thank our sponsors, of course, AFR heads, pro charger and performance distributors for helping keep the show going and looking forward to seeing you probably at a PDRA Norwalk this year. Awesome. Yeah. We can't wait to, that, that'll be the closest PDRA to home that we've ever ran. So um, we're really, really excited about that. And uh, yeah, we're excited to get going on, on, on big fat tires again and uh, big, do bigger burnouts and do wheelies out in the half track instead of lifting the back end up at half track. So, <laughs> well, John, thanks again for coming by. We look forward to seeing you later this year. Thanks, man. I really appreciate your time, Brian.